Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening and welcome back to an adventure in history. We're glad to be here. Happy April. Happy Easter to everyone. Uh, did the Easter Bunny, does, does the Easter Bunny still visit your house, Mac? Um, he's lazy now. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I it's dream of like, being here, lazy. like, here's a bowl of candy. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. see, Easter, because I forced my, my children to have the same experience that I did as a kid, and it was almost like Christmas for, for me. Um, I have a brother and a sister, and the Easter Bunny would leave a basket, and there'd be a different color tissue paper in each basket. Ooh. And then we had to search the house for things wrapped in that color. Oh, my goodness. Really? Yeah. And, and it was <laughs> it was a big haul. I mean, it wasn't as big as Christmas, but it was much more than here's 10 eggs. Right. Filled with chocolate. And fun. I mean, there were presents. And, right. And there was places that mom and dad or the Easter bunny would put the same like every year you'd know oh, on top of the photo oh, on right. top of the on top of the TV <laughs> over here under there so it was kind of funny and my kids experienced the same thing up until they were 18 <laughs> they were 18 all the way no, almost I'm sure they'd still take it <laughs> my daughter would still do it <laughs> my mom still gives me an Easter basket or so something of, of sorts usually <laughs> so yes yeah. the Easter bunny Still comes, but he's he's rather lazy. Yeah. Well, he hopped around our yard. And, Excellent. Yep. So it's always glad. And we are going to talk about the origins of Ooh. the Easter bunny. Why it's a bunny. A right. bunny rabbit. I know. I, yes. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it is all so interesting, isn't it? And you got away for spring break. I did. We went to magical winter wonderland in central Oregon, uh, Sun River, and it was, nice. it was so nice. It was just nice and sunny. And then there was a snowstorm, and then it'd be sunny again, and then another snowstorm. Get the best, best of everything. Oh, it was so perfect. I mean, great sledding weather. Mm-hmm. Carly went skiing. And skiing. Did fabulous. I mean, of course. She is such a little daredevil. She is. And she's <laughs> just so darn good at everything, too. <laughs> Well, it's better than her being bad at it's true when she's doing things like that. Right, and still wanting to do them, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so, oh, I have a throwback. Last yeah. week, one of the This Day in Histories was the first cell phone call. Yes. And remember I joked about it was from an employee with Motorola out on the streets <laughs> in lower Manhattan to the Bell Labs in New Jersey. And I, I laughed about, I wonder if they were competitors. They were. Oh my goodness. They were competitors <gasps> and the guy surrounded himself with reporters and says, Hey, let me make this call. No. And it was kind of a ha ha, guess what I'm doing. That's guess fantastic. where I'm calling you from. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I do too. And the person who picks up the phone at Bell is like, Oh <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad that I kinda called that one. Right. Yeah, what a good stunt. Because <laughs> I thought maybe they were like working together and it was like, okay, Bob, it's working. But no, it was, but, haha, Bob, we beat you to it. <laughs> yep. It's so. good. Good incentive. So, uh, of course, we got spring breaks. We got uh, cruise ships back. Yes. River cruises started. Fun. And mm-hmm. we're excited by that. And we got uh, ocean cruises uh, uh, on the horizon here. But I- I'm excited about something else. Okay. I'm sure you're following all of the, uh, all of the legislation happening oh, right. down in Salem. Yep. Uh, you, you like keep a big chart, I think, on your <laughs> bit wall, by right? by bit. <laughs> and I'm sure you're following House Concurrent Resolution 14. Oh, what's this one? Oregon is about to have an official film. I love it. I do, too. There's so many to choose from. And there's been some debate. That's what I saw first in an article 
debating yeah. which one so should be. Before you tell us which one, let's okay. just let's think of the top your top five, maybe. See, I mean, I would love to say Goonies, right? Just selfishly because of a story in Classic County right. in the Oregon Film Museum. Is that an iconic Oregon film? Yes, I think it is. It makes it <laughs> makes sure. the top ten, definitely. Maybe yep. the top five. Okay, there's one. Um, when I asked, I can't remember which senator, U.S. senator, was here once uh, at a town hall meeting. I actually asked this question: "What is your favorite Oregon film and why?" And I said, "You don't have to say the Goonies just because you're in Astoria." And I can't. It might have been Wyden. I'm pretty sure it was Wyden. But he gave the best answer possible. He goes, oh, without even thinking. And he didn't know this question was coming. He said, I would say that it was sometimes a great notion because it's oh, by yes. a great Oregon author. Mm-hmm. And it's about logging. It's about rural Oregon. It's beautiful. It's got right? uh, Paul Newman in it. Yes. So he said, I, and I thought, wow, that's a great political answer. Yeah, that's a good one. So Stand by me. Stand by me, I would also put. Free even, Willy, because that's like Portland and here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to like the movie, but like Oregon, I mean, yes. it does definitely. Does it smack of Oregon when I'm watching that film? Right. Yeah. But the uh, the what's being put forth is yep. actually. Would be uh, in the top five for sure. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I've not been asked to weigh in. The Oregon <laughs> Film Museum has not been asked to to testify or to weigh in. We could make that happen. But I, I, I can support that. I, I There's good arguments. If you mm-hmm. read through the whole uh, resolution, um, there's good reasons why. And, and I agree with those. For sure. Yeah. And certainly I think Oregon, too, wants to sort of stand out for... Mm-hmm. Um, our behavioral health initiatives and uh, mental health, disability rights. Um, and that's kind of why it's on the list, right? why, why it's being nominated or why it's being proposed. Okay. So, anyway, uh, we'll keep you posted on House Concurrent Resolution Number 14. And have you flagged it so that you get updates? Do you know how to do that? I have not, but I Ooh, should. Yeah. <laughs> so you can you can go into each resolution that's going through and just put like, there's like a check. Yeah, there was. Okay, you're right. And I, then you'll just get updates on that one so that you don't have to search and search. So yeah, we I can do that. So you're, you're right. When so I listening down, audience, we'll, we'll let you know. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Shall we? Uh, anything else we got to talk about? No. This day in history. All Let's right. Do it. So uh, these are the things that happened on April tenth, eighteen sixty six. The American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals is founded in New York City by philanthropist and diplomat Henry Burge. Ooh. You want to know why? Mm, yes. In eighteen sixty three, he'd been appointed by President Abraham Lincoln to be a diplomatic to a diplomatic post of the Russian court of Tsar Alexander the Second. It was there that he was horrified to witness workhorses beaten by their mm. peasant drivers. En route back to America, a June 1865 visit to the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in London awakened his determination to secure a charter not only to incorporate the ASPCA, but to exercise the power to arrest and prosecute violators of the law. Good. Yeah. So it was all about the horses in New right. York City. Right. <laughs> oh. But 1866. Right. I don't know that I would have predicted it was that early. Oh, certainly not. Yeah. Because, I mean. I mean, yeah, we were still working on all sorts of civil rights, right? (laughs) Even human rights. Well, that and and at that point, I mean, even though there are horse carriages for pleasure in New York City, 1866, it's still a work thing. Right. So I'm kind of surprised that somebody is like, oh, you're being mean to that animal. Right. Versus, oh, you're working your animal. Awareness, right? Yeah. Early yeah. on. So good uh, good for Henry Burge. I yes. don't know if I'm saying his name right. B-E-R-G-H. <laughs> Ooh, I don't think I don't that's know. a Berg. I'm betting it's I don't know. Berge. 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, 1869. Congress increases the number of Supreme Court judges from seven to nine. Ooh. Yeah, a little uh, reminder out there that uh, it's not always been nine on the Supreme Court. <laughs> Our founding fathers <laughs> changed their mind. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, so I'm not giving you the date on this one. I want you to try to guess. The Professional Golfers Association of America, the PGA, is founded in New York City. Mm. 1933. See, I would have thought it was in that area too 1916 oh 16 yeah. okay i mean i knew they were playing golf early but, right uh let's see uh 1925 the great gatsby is published oh that's a good one i read it of course we all had to read it but <laughs> but did we like it oh i don't i have to think back i mean well yeah i i did like it i liked the book I've seen it because there's several movies, right? And yes. I, I've never enjoyed any of the movies. Maybe because it is such a, it is a tough sort of, co- I mean, the whole storyline is not pleasant, but. See, the writing is fine. Yeah, it is. But I right? hate all the characters. I hate them all. Right. I, well. <laughs> They're all annoying That's to me. sort of his theme. I, I might as well <laughs> be watching a lot of his novels. Like, the Housewives of Long Island. <laughs> I mean, or wherever they're supposed yeah. to live. I think they're in Long Island, <laughs> just outside the city. Um, let's see. 1942, the Bataan Death March begins. It's horrible. Yeah. Uh, 1970, Paul McCartney announces the breakup of the Beatles. Oh. Uh, 1979, or 1975 rather, Lee Elder becomes the first black golfer to play in the Masters. Oh. 1975. Right, yeah. Really late to the uh, club here. Yes. <laughs> Especially considering you started the uh, PGA back in 1916. 1916. Oh, right. 75. But our uh, history highlight of the day, and it's not, a, it's not an exciting one, but I think it had impact. 1710, the first law regulating copyright was oh. issued in Great Britain. Really? Copyright. 1710. 1710. So before that, you could just steal anything you wanted to. Right. You could do whatever you want. You still can. <laughs> Nobody can argue. <laughs> right. But in theory now. Right. You own the stuff that you create. If for you a while. get the license for you, it. Yeah. Right. You stopped. <laughs> yes. Still a price to pay. Good. Okay. That's so, a good one. Did I miss anything exciting? No, you didn't. I know. Isn't that shocking? Because <laughs> <laughs> you've been on vacation. I have, yes. <laughs> but I did come prepared because we are here to talk about the Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny. Yeah. Who, in case there's any people still listening after story time, is totally real. Yep. 100%. And in fact, when my daughter was five or six, we have evidentiary proof of the existence of the Easter Bunny. She had this little kind of Instamatic camera, and she was asleep when the Easter Bunny was in her house. And we yelled, Rachel, Rachel, wake up, come here, the Easter Bunny's here. And just as she was coming out of the bedroom, we snapped a photo, so she saw it being developed, but he ducked out of the picture, and all you saw was his ears. (gasps) Oh. So we came this close to having a full picture of the Easter Bunny. Oh, my goodness. But it's still evidence nonetheless. Right. She saw the picture being developed. (laughs) I would love to talk to her about that experience now. (laughs) That's a good one, though. She knew it was real forever. Right. Right. Yes. Well, so... Even from the Smithsonian Magazine, we have some information. So Easter, as we know, is a celebration of spring and new life. Eggs and flowers are rather obvious symbols of female fertility, but in European tradition, the bunny, 
with its amazing reproductive potential, is not far behind. Now, in European traditions, the Easter bunny is known as the Easter hare. The symbolism of the hare has many ritual and religious roles down through the years. But it is in the folk traditions of England and Germany that the figure of the hare is specifically connected to Easter. Accounts from the 1600s in Germany describe children hunting for Easter eggs hidden by the Easter hare, much as in the United States today. Now, written accounts from England around the same time also mention the Easter hare, particularly in terms of traditional Easter hare hunts and the eating of hare meat at Easter. Oh, that seems wrong. <laughs> it, yes, but... It did nonetheless, right? So in 8th century England, the month of April was called, it, I'm not going to say this correct, but it looks like Easter month or Easter month. Istore. Right. I don't know. And it's after the goddess of Istore. So, so it is a, it's E-O-S-T-R-E. Now he wrote that a pagan festival of spring in the name of this goddess had become assimilated into the Christian celebration of the resurrection of Christ. Now this happens often, right? Because we've mm. talked about this before oh, yeah. with the Christmas tree and other holidays um, that they sort of uh, absorb, become absorbed or assimilated into religious traditions. So while most European languages refer to the Christian holiday with names that come from the Jewish holiday of Passover in um, French or in Swedish, German and English languages retain the older non-biblical word Easter. Okay, so and maybe we're maybe we're going to get to this, but I'm still always amused at. You said that uh, there's accounts in the 1600s in Germany mm-hmm. of kids going that it's still an Easter hare, right? And yet they're searching for eggs. Well, bunny rabbits don't lay eggs. <laughs> yes. So how did we make that leap? That is that's, oh that's, interesting. That's always funny to me, right? Well, because it's it goes along with that miracle, so that's yeah. where they associate the miracle of birth. Yeah. To, yeah. All right, so should we do some uh, fun facts yes. about the Easter Bunny? Uh, let's see. Number one, the Easter Bunny brings in $18 billion annually. <laughs> Approximately 8 in 10 U.S. adults celebrate Easter, according to the National Retail Federation. I love all their stats. I know. Uh, which says consumers spend an average of $151 per person on the holiday, Whew. encompassing everything from clothing and candy to cards and flowers. See, I thought I think... As a kid, I'm assuming inflation here. That's probably about right for my family. I was going to say that's certainly now, your mom right there. Now, now you know, my kids, no. We weren't spending <laughs> that kind of money anywhere near it. Collectively, it says Easter spending totals more than $18 billion per year in the United States. Although the Easter bunny alone isn't responsible for all that spending. What a budget he has. It definitely <laughs> deserves at least some of the credit. Now, 65% of consumers say their Easter shopping is motivated by tradition. And 22% is motivated by store displays and decorations. The <laughs> Easter Bunny typically has a starring role in both. And number two, the Easter Bunny is a German import. Now, whether it was originally the product of paganism or Christianity, as we discussed, and more on that later, Americans ultimately have just one group to thank for the Easter Bunny, the Germans. As early as the 17th century, German folklore references the legend of the Easter hare, like we talked about. The mythical rabbit who visited children while they slept rewarded them with colored eggs for their good behavior, which it left in nests that German children made out of hats. Now, when German Lutherans settled in Pennsylvania in the 18th century, they brought their customs, including the Easter hare, with them. 
As their traditions spread across the United States, Nest eventually migrated from hats to baskets, whose contents gradually grew to include candy and gifts alongside the colored eggs. And you know, they still sell the grass. Do you remember that grass? Always, yeah, that oh. grass always grosses me. Yes. Like, <laughs> don't use the grass, bunny. <laughs> and, and it just, like, it lasts for 20 years, so it just seems wrong. Right. So it just Plastic feels, grass. It gets, like, grosser and grosser feeling every year. <sighs> Let's see. Uh, chocolate Easter bunnies came from Germany, too. Ooh. To older kids and adults, the best version of the Easter bunny might just be the one that's made of chocolate, wrapped in foil, and sold in stores. Okay, got to ask. Are you eating the ears first or saving them for last? Oh, first, of course. <laughs> that always seems cruel. Um, <laughs> and yet we all do it. All right. Uh, like the original Easter Bunny, the chocolate Easter Bunny has German uh, lineage. By the 19th century, Easter traditions in Germany had evolved to include cardboard or fabric bunnies that children left out for the Easter hare who filled them with candy. Uh, I kind of like the nests more than that. <laughs> At the same time, Germany was becoming an epicenter for chocolate making. Mm. It was only a matter of time then until Germans had the sweet idea to replace their cardboard candy vessels with chocolate ones. So the chocolate bunnies likely came from the same German immigrants who brought the Easter Bunny to America via Pennsylvania. In fact, the first American credited with creating a chocolate bunny was Pennsylvanian Robert Strohecker, a drugstore owner who created a <laughs> five-foot chocolate rabbit as an Easter promotion in 1890. That's a lot of calories. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, number four, children used to leave carrots for the Easter bunny. Although it's not as common now, German children in the early days of the Easter hare uh, left out carrots for the Easter bunny, just as children now leave out milk and cookies for Santa Claus on Christmas. Number five, in some countries, the Easter bunny isn't a bunny at all. Easter is a holiday that hops all over the globe. (laughs) Its mammalian mascot, however, jumps over some countries entirely. Instead of the Easter bunny, for example, France celebrates Easter with flying church bells. That's because church bells across the country are silent from Good Friday until Easter Sunday, while those who observe the holiday mourn Christ. French children are told that the bells are silent because they've sprouted wings and flown to Rome to receive a blessing from the Pope. When the bells ring again on Sunday morning, French children find chocolate bells in their homes and gardens that are the flying bells are said to have dropped for them while returning home to their respective bell towers. In I gotta say, I like the bunny rabbit. I like the bunny too. Flying bells. <laughs> or why can't you do both? I mean, mm. why can't the bunny leave the bells? <laughs> in Sweden, meanwhile, children believe in Easter witches. According to Swedish lore, it was customary for witches to fly to a legendary mountain on the Thursday before Easter. So, as if it were Halloween, modern Swedish children observe the tradition by dressing up as witches and going door to door wishing their neighbors a happy Easter in exchange for treats. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, very similar, right. though. The Easter Bunny is under attack in Australia. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. Next on Adventures in History. <laughs> uh, speaking of international Easter mascots, Australia is a nation divided over its choice. Like Americans, most Australians grew up celebrating Easter with the Easter Bunny. In recent decades, however, Aussies have put the Easter Bunny on notice. That's because rabbits are not native to Australia. Okay, but he can't visit? <laughs> Rather, they're an invasive species brought there for hunting in the 18th century by European settlers, whose adorable import has been laying waste to local fauna ever since. 
In particular, the bil- the bilby, a bunny-sized marsupial, has become endangered thanks in part to rabbits that have pushed them out of their burrows. Mm-hmm. In order to raise awareness and money for bilby conservation, a group known as the Foundation for Rabbit-Free Australia launched a campaign in 1991 to replace the Easter Bunny in Australia with the Easter Bilby. Although the Easter Bunny is still hopping down under, the Bilby population is on the rise, and nearly 30 years later, Australian children are just as likely to eat chocolate Bilbies as they are chocolate bunnies. It has to be hard to get rid of bunnies. I'm kind of okay with with the the Easter Bilby. Bilby, I know. And they are really cute, and they're really little. Um, Carly has a book that has them. I got to look up. I don't know what one looks like. I mean, they look look kind of like little bunnies, actually. Mm -hmm. They're probably more like a, a mouse or something. Um, so as we have said, so the origins are under dispute. So a couple different storylines, uh, but some dispute the Easter Bunny's pagan origins and argue instead that it's a holy Christian creation. According to Catholicism, the rabbit's religious origin story starts in ancient Greece, where it is believed that hares had both male and female reproductive organs, likely due to their nearly invisible reproductive anatomy. If this were true, now it isn't, of mm-hmm. course, <laughs> It would have meant that the hares could impregnate themselves and that they therefore were capable of virgin births. This belief supposedly persisted into medieval times when Christianity was spreading. During this time, rabbits' virginal attributes allowed them to become associated with the Virgin Mary, who often was depicted along bunnies and contemporary writings and paintings. I gotta go back and look at some paintings now. So in this article, there were tons of paintings and you don't necessarily, and they're ones that you have seen before. You just don't notice it. You don't notice the bunny. So (laughs) yeah, there you go. It's like an Easter egg in the paintings. Ooh, there you go. All right, the Easter bunny doesn't just bring eggs, it also lays them. (laughs) This is your favorite. Everybody knows that the Easter bunny brings colorful eggs for children to find on Easter morning. What you might not realize, however, is that the Easter bunny actually lays the eggs itself like a chicken. To understand why and how (laughs) this came to be, one must return to the aforementioned tale of pagan fertility goddess Estor. Uh, according to one version of the story, hares weren't just a sacred animal to Esor. They also were her companions. Actually, it was one hare in particular named Lupus, uh, Latin for hare. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that because I never <laughs> took Latin in high school. As the tale goes, winter uh, lasted longer than usual one year because Esor arrived late. Feeling guilty, she decided to save a bird whose wings had frozen in the late winter snow because the bird whom she made her pet or lover, some variants of the legend say, could no longer fly, she turned him into a snow hare named Lupus, uh, who was endowed with the ability to lay colorful eggs in remembrance of its avarian origins. The only catch, it could only lay its special eggs once a year during the springtime festival of Esther. I like how we come up with such colorful stories <laughs> to, to make about things that we really have no understanding yes. of. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, Going on, number nine, the Easter bunny is an Arctic hare. Have you ever wondered what kind of rabbit the Easter bunny is? It appears that it's an Arctic hare, both based on its traditionally white fur and on the pagan lore from which the Easter bunny hopped. The goddess Thor's bird uh, bunny lupus was a snow hare. Native to northern Canada and Greenland, Arctic hares are white in the winter so as to blend in with ice and snow, but blue-gray in the spring and summer to match rocks and vegetation. Now, next to their color, their defining feature is their speed. They can move up to 40 miles an hour, which is obviously how the Easter Bunny gets to every house. (laughs) 
to deliver eggs. That's but 40 right. miles an hour, can you imagine? Such a tiny little That's amazing. And animal? I just learned recently that they change color. I don't, I don't know oh. why I never knew that before. I it just does. assumed they were white all the time. Right, that's true. That does make sense. Uh, and the last, the huge majority of rabbits in shelters are purchased as Easter gifts. The Easter bunny is um, a character, and that's how it should remain, according to the House Rabbit Society, a rabbit rescue group that discourages the gifting of baby rabbits for Easter. Every year it reports thousands of baby rabbits are purchased and gifted as personal Easter bunnies, then subsequently neglected or abandoned. In fact, it's been reported that as many as 80% of all rabbits that are up for adoption at shelters originally were purchased as Easter gifts. By all means, celebrate Easter with the Easter bunny. But make yours chocolate. Yes. <laughs> Did you ever get an Easter bunny? A bunny bunny? No, no. We, we had like mice and guinea pigs oh. and other things. But I do have a bunny rabbit story Ooh, since okay. we have time. So yeah. um, my wife and I once took a uh, an anniversary trip to Cannon Beach and stayed in some cottages, a cottage, a sequence of cottages. We were in one. It was like right on the beach almost. I mean, a good view. And we're the, the morning we're going to leave, we're reading through. There's a guest book in our in our cottage that you can sign. And we start reading through it, and there's all these references to bunny rabbits. Page after page yeah. after page. And we're like, where are the bunny rabbits? What are they talking about? And there's a big giant picture window in front of us, and we're reading this sitting on a couch, reading it together. And just as I'm like, I feel cheated. Where have the bunny rabbits gone? Right in front of the picture window, there's a rock wall, and a bunny rabbit sticks his head up and oh. starts hopping along. The, the, and we go outside. And there are like 20 bunny rabbits all over the lawn area. Oh, my goodness. And you could get pretty close to them. You couldn't pet them. They would like shy away from you and hop away. But they're all really little. And I know that some people hate the bunny rabbits that are all over Cannon Beach. And some people love them. But for us as visitors, it was incredibly charming. And it could not have been timed any better. We didn't see them at all the first day. Didn't see them at night. Didn't see them in the morning when we first took like a walk. It was as we're getting ready to leave that they all of a sudden there show up to work. And, and they were, you, there are a bunch of them. Do you see them now when you go? I mean, I see them all the time there. You know, I, every now and then. Yeah. I, I don't go to Cannon Beach often enough to, and I guess I'm not in the right spaces. to. Well, and they are see. probably by those cottages. They're by restaurants, too, where there's mm-hmm. big bushes. Because they're not on the beach. Yes. I mean, they are up in the greenery. But yeah. And once you have a couple of them. <laughs> there's hundreds, thousands, <laughs> millions. Know, you get so many, and they are so super cute. But Carly wants a rabbit and it's oh, no. not happening. Not happening. Not happening. <laughs> hey, it's also, uh, you know, KMUN is oh, a, yes. a public radio station. So uh, it is support your, your local radio time. It is. So if you love this show. Uh, Just or, as much as we do. Or other shows. Um, you, you should write a check and you should send it in. And you can also go to their website, KMUM.org. And you can make a direct donation online easy as that with a credit card um you can mail a check you can stop by their offices um and yeah they do offer this amazing platform right this is our local public radio um uh, platform and host and so they supply equipment for shows like ours um, and others um, to be able to share our stories with you and share our time and I didn't, I didn't bring my cheat sheet, so I can't say, like, $100 will bring 20 minutes of airtime. So uh, because I didn't bring that, you should just write a really big check. There we go. And, and make sure that it covers your favorite uh, half an hour of, of course. entertainment and uh, 
in, in infomercial here that we do. Right, because although we provide this service for free, right, we are not paid for, for providing this, but um, there's certainly costs associated with having the building, the equipment, and then getting that airtime and having all of the engineers do such a great job. So yes, we are certainly fans of KMUN. And again, you can make that donation online. And while they're, they're looking for money, of course, there's also always volunteer opportunities. Oh, there are, yes. There's all kinds of, of things that you can do. Um, you just give them a call, check out their website, and that's also where our podcast is. I love our podcast. If you're not listening uh, Sunday night live, we're there forever. And I've been sharing more and more of our podcast and trying, I'm getting a catalog ready because we are going to have an episode on this show to talk about our favorite podcasts. So we're not quite there yet. Um, are, we, are we picking favorite guests? P- guests and topics. Guests and oh. topics. Yes. So we're, we're going to get there. And we, mean, should, we should do like a survey monkey and find <gasps> out what people like the most. Yes. So um, I'm going to be heartbroken when they say they like you more than me. <laughs> facts, Mac. <laughs> facts. <laughs> Don't uh, quit your day, day job, but we are so right. appreciative of all of you for listening. Thank you. All right. Go make some history. And uh, thanks for spending Easter with us. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for joining us for an adventure in history. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.